Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome to the Crack House Chronicles. I am Donnie. I am Chris. I'm Bill. And we are your host. What's going on, guys? Howdy. How's everybody? How's everybody doing? Another day uh, of podcasting. Uh, doing without. What a nice day outside. What did you say, Donnie? Yeah, it's weather out there, Chris. Yeah, it, it was kind of cold this morning, though. What do you think about that? Yeah, and then it, then the weather came out. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah sunshine. Got my first grass cut yesterday. You got your grass cut, really? Yeah. Already? Well, I got my board to do most of it. Yeah. yeah. That's what it's for. That's it. That's why you have what kids. What's wrong in this world? That's why you have kids in case you need a grass cut or, or an organ one of these days. <laughs> yeah, my kid ain't going to be cutting grass anytime soon. <laughs> um, we had some neighbors beside of us that had a fiesta over the weekend. I thought they had one last weekend. They, they don't stop, man. But Non-stop this, fiesta. This time wasn't crazy loud music. This time just had a lot of people out there. Yeah. I mean, it's just when it hits summer, man, all the time, all the time. And like they have the whole the whole cul-de-sac is just uh, filled with cars. I mean, it's just say cul-de-sac? Cul-de-sac. <laughs> okay. <laughs> cul-de-sac. Man, it ain't like you don't know anybody that has, you know. I bet know, there's a lot of people, people using the bathroom outside. Probably I, could. Like have a counter fiesta. I told I told Greg, um, which is uh, Bill's uh, bandmate and one of my friends, um, that y'all should come with a band, Roadside Alice, and play in the backyard. Get the monies. <laughs> I'll be, it'll be free. Yeah, I know. It'll be free. We might do that. We'll do that. Maybe get some people from the neighborhood to come we'll and listen. Show, yeah, we'll show them out. We'll show up. We're gonna show out. What do people think about that? I mean, like, yeah. I, mean, I mean, why not? I mean, if he can get away with doing that, I don't know the, the new neighbors beside them. I think called the cops, and I think he thought that was me. Mm. But I mean, I've been living there four years now. I've yet to call the cops on the mm. guy. But uh, I don't. I don't know if they'd call cops on y'all. But I say do it during the day. See, the problem is with them; they're doing it like ten o'clock at night. It's still going on. Yeah, you're supposed to shut down what ten, eleven o'clock. Yeah, I think so. I think it should be earlier if you're in the neighborhood. Well, you got kids. You you shut down at nine o'clock now. Oh, earlier if you can. <laughs> as early as possible. Yeah, but I think the law is not, uh, 10 o'clock anywhere or anywhere in North Carolina. And that's what? Cleveland it, County. That's what anything? Or is that? Well, loud, loud outside stuff. Is there is there a certain extreme that applies to? Yeah, if you're caught, that's why they got the cops called on them. If they, if they were doing it past 10 o'clock, they were in their rights to call the cops. I think it was at 1030 they were still going. Uh, whatever. I'm just saying. I heard that somewhere for it. It may not be a law. It may not be anything, but most places tend to have you cut it down at ten o'clock. See, I would think it'd be earlier than that. I'd figure it'd be nine. But I mean, I guess you, you never yeah, you're, know. You're getting old, Chris. So yeah, I guess it'd be nine. We're trying to we're probably trying to put the baby to sleep, and all you hear is mm, 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 mm. at the same tempo, and you hear maybe, the same. Maybe they're not. It, maybe they're not playing music. That's exactly what they're playing. It, it's yeah. They had a live band this time. <laughs> Usually it's just like uh, they have like a CD or something and they'll play it and it's not so bad. But when they have a live performance and then have the bass turned all the way up, uh, the, the bass was overpowering everything. All you heard was the bass. So, yeah. So, topic this week. Jeez, was that interesting or what? No, got things to do. All right, <laughs> our topic this week is the Wineville Chicken Coop murders. And people are like. What? I mean, what is that? I heard about this story years ago. And Wait a minute. A chicken coop actually murdered somebody? No. It was a. Okay. The stench. It was a a crazy guy from Canada. Yeah, them Canadians. Eh? Don't eh? you know? He's going to raise chickens, eh? 
But anyway, the guy's name. Too cold up north. They don't have chickens up north? I don't know. Hmm. They got heavy feathers. Yeah. Two, co- two coats. Snow feathers. chickens. Snow chickens. I heard it was really cold on the island of and Alaska. That's where, that's where we lost all our Canadian friends. We're just kidding. We're just joshing. Joshing in American for fooling around. Yeah. Can you hear me, did you? We're just hacking on y'all Canadians. Heard it was cold on the island of Alaska. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the Wineville Chicken Coop murders. I always believe that, by the way. Were a series of abductions and murders of young boys that occurred from 1926 to 1928 in and around the city of Los Angeles and in Riverside County, California. This dirtbag's name was Gordon Stewart Northcott, and he was born in Bladworth, Saskatchewan. Yeah, Saskatchewan, eh? True. Yeah, true story. True story. Yeah, and he moved to Los Angeles with his mom and dad in 1924, and that was at the age of 19, and he talked his parents into purchasing some land I think it was about three acres for him to start a chicken farm. But they uh, purchased a lot of land in Wineville, and that's in Riverside County. It's like Southern California. Yeah. You know, around Los Angeles area. Mira Loma nowadays. Yeah. It's known as Mira Loma. They, they actually had to change the name of the town because of the murders. They didn't want to be associated with it. And I think there's just a couple things around there that are – is named after Wineville. I think there's a road, yeah, and a, a a park or something. That's about it. It was a pretty bad stench on the community there at that time. But anyway, getting back to Gordon Stewart Northcott, I'm just gonna call him Gordon. He was living there in California with his mom and dad, and he wanted to start that chicken farm, and he needed some help, so he went back to Canada. So he had an older sister. She was living, still living in Canada, and she had some kids. I think she had three kids, an older daughter, Jessie, a middle child named Sanford Clark. I think their all last name was Clark. And the younger child was Kenneth. He was wanting to take Kenneth back. And I'm pretty sure that from what I read, that Kenneth was the favorite. Of yeah. Him. He was the favorite. Seems like douchebaggery around strong in this family. Yeah, it was really, they were all just douchebags. But Kenneth, the youngest one, was the favorite. And she didn't care for much for Sanford, the middle child. So he was 13 at the time. So he was sort of forced into going back with Gordon back to California. He was told that he was going to work on this farm, learn a hard day's work. And Gordon even told his sister that he would uh, enroll him in school. and Scouts. Even, and, even, and the Boy Scouts, too. You know, and have him doing lots of different things. But on their way back to California, they cool. would... They Go home with your weird uncle, eh? <laughs> Go to California, eh? Yeah, California. They said it'd be nice, eh? <laughs> on, their, on their way back, they would, you know, they would stop and sleep at night. And Gordon, he would sleep in the car on the, in the car seat, but he'd make uh, Sanford sleep on a blanket out in, out on the side of the road or in a park somewhere. He wouldn't even get to sleep in the car. From the very get-go on this, Gordon was pretty abusive to him. He would slap him around, hit him in the head if, if he didn't answer him or say what he wanted to hear he would he would hit him in the head pretty hard and he said there were times that he would he would get hit and he would see stars or flashing lights get hit so hard he almost you know probably got knocked unconscious a few times hmm. pretty rough on that kid Golden lights it's called what no <laughs> bad joke okay 
they got to California, and when they got to Wineville and that three-acre ranch, it was nothing what Gordon thought it would be. It was a, a little shack and one chicken coop, pretty much. It wasn't. Well, yeah, they hadn't even built a house yet, had they? I think they, him and his dad, had gotten started one because his dad was in construction. Right. And I think it got some stuff built there, but it wasn't much. Well, when I when I listened to you, said something about um, they had to sleep in a tent when they were working on the chicken coops. Yeah. Is that that? It's only three acres. How far away were they from the house? Yeah. Makes sense. I know that Sanford had to help build some of the chicken coops and do some of the work around the house because he even he even had to stay and sleep in the chicken coops. He didn't. He wasn't even allowed to stay in the house. And they hadn't even been there a week when Gordon got to molesting Sanford. I mean, he was. It was pretty bad. Uh, he would he would beat him and sexually assault him. And Gordon learned right away that if he would fight him or resist him or scream or anything like that it made it worse so he just blocked it out and went along with him and it seemed you know the attacks didn't last as long and it's like it's like the i hate to say it but it's like him resisting just fueled yeah he learned to learn to go along with it they I, the one i heard said something about it was kind of like the beginnings of stockholm syndrome yeah pretty much pacify them so they wouldn't do it any worse mm-hmm but um, Gordon, from everything I read and heard, that he was studying to be a, a concert pianist. Did you hear that, Bill? Yeah. Yeah, he'd, he'd been pianist. Pianist. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Gordon's mother, Sarah Northcott, she had told Sanford that uh, he was going to have to do all the work there because he didn't want her son to get any calluses on his hand because he was studying to be a, a pianist and he was you know she didn't want him working and pretty much Sanford there he was just a help that's all he was he wouldn't they didn't care for him they didn't even though that was their grandchild they didn't care nothing about him yeah they act like he wasn't even around pretty much and they got to, you know working on the the chicken farm Gordon would get gone he would leave on the weekend and stay gone for two or three days and most time on the weekends, he'd have a Mexican boy with him. And right away, tie him up in the chicken coop or chain him up. His nephew, Sanford, couldn't understand a word they were saying, but he knew the boys were in trouble. And he knew them bo- the boys were going to be molested. And he would hear screams in the middle of the night from those boys. And there was one evening he went out there and saw him chained up. He couldn't understand anything he was saying. And he decided he was going to help him escape and he found a hacksaw and he was going out there but he had every intention of going out there but fell asleep and didn't make it he he didn't he didn't get out there to free him so the next morning when he woke up the boy was gone and so was his uncle and he just stuck to his regular you know routine of taking care of the chickens collecting eggs doing things around the farm and the uh, uncle came back later and he had a bucket, and he handed it to Sanford. And in the bucket, y'all know what it you know, Chris, you know what was in the bucket? Dum, dum, dum. No, I don't. It was a, a head. Any thoughts on why he uh, he always came back with little Mexican boys? Hmm? No. They were immigrants. What? 1928. Yeah, yeah they weren't even supposed to be here anyway. Yeah. And we had no probably border crossing 
then, or I'm, you know, I'm sure it wasn't. So those people are easily discarded. Yeah, you're not gonna put a Mexican. I mean, you're not gonna put a at that day and th- at that day and age, and, and probably most likely right now, if if an uh, an illegal, let's say, you know, and, and then he might be an immigrant. They were more lax then, you know, an immigrant that's disappeared. Nobody's really gonna report it. Who's mm-hmm. to say he even had a parents up here to report it? He might have been sent up here to work and then go back home. And you know, it's easy. It's he knew what he was doing. Easy pickings, no trace. I mean, even you know something we'll get to later. Even in the uh, his trial from all this, they even referred to him in the trial those uh, Mexican boys as the little the headless Mexican boy. I mean, they didn't they didn't have a name or nothing. I mean, they would just they didn't know who they were or anything. Gordon got to where he was getting careless with his kidnappings and murders. But one day while him and Sanford were in town, they had met a, a mother there with her son at the grocery store. The little boy's name was Walter, and his mother's name was Christine. When Gordon went back to town, he found Walter Collins and asked him if he wanted to go back to his farm to ride horses because he had a big farm and promised him great stuff. But up to this point, all... Gordon had been kidnapping was a uh, little Mexican boys. He had an American boy with him this time. And what was bad was when he got there, Sanford could understand what he was saying. And it made it even worse. Right away, Gordon had him chained up in one of the chicken coops, started uh, molesting and sexually assaulting him. And there was actually a movie made about uh, Walter Collins and Christine Collins called The Changeling. It was uh, starred Angelina Jolie and um, directed by Clint Eastwood, I think it was, wasn't it? I don't know. I ain't seen yeah. that movie. Yeah. It was, and I, we could actually do a whole story on that because the the ordeal she had to go through of losing her son and well, that having was, a replacement son and everything. Yeah, was that sheriff or the police chief or whatever it was, man? That was some pretty messed up stuff right there. Yeah. We said that yet? No. Mm-mm. Are we getting into that right now? About to. Oh, about the Christine Collins thing? Yeah. Oh, my, yeah. My bad. I'm jumping yeah. ahead. No, that's all right. It's okay. I'm, I'm over here Instagramming while we while we discuss. But anyway. Hey, you got to attack social media everywhere. But anyway, the whole Christine Collins and Walter Collins, I mean, we could do a whole story on that because, you know, I, we're not going to get into that. Maybe we'll do a story on that. But when uh, Walter got, got missing and – you know, she was looking for him everywhere, and, and but eventually uh, Gordon killed Walter and buried him. They buried him in one of the chicken coops. She was looking everywhere for her son, and at that time they had found a boy in I think it's Illinois or Indiana somewhere. And he'd heard about this story of Walter Collins missing out in California, and uh, he said he was him. He claimed to be him. Okay, I didn't get that part, but yeah, yeah, he, he claimed to be him. And <clears throat> I thought he just found him. And no, the only and the reason he claimed to be him was he wanted to go to Los Angeles to meet his favorite movie star, which at the time was Tom Mix. Uh, remember him, Chris? Remember Tom Mix? <laughs> None of us do here. No, but I mean, I've heard the name. He's a Western. Yeah. Uh, no, Tom Minx, the no, grave digger driver. <laughs> uh, this was Tom Mix. He was a a cowboy <laughs> movie star, but and when she. They had that uh, little boy from Illinois flew out to California. She met him at the airport and 
saw him, and she she knew that wasn't her child. She knew it wasn't. Yeah, what was he? Ten years old, thirteen years old. Yeah. Or no, that kid is in part. He was ten. The kid impersonating was like twelve or thirteen. Yeah. How do you not know your ten year old kid? She knew well, it. She knew it. I know. She knew it wasn't her kid. I would kid. not wasn't your kid. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, but even that sheriff, I mean, that sheriff was screwed up. He told her, said, "Well, just you know, take him home and try him out for a while." I mean, they didn't even. <laughs> they didn't even try. Like a test drive. Yeah. <laughs> See how it goes. And and. All of them should be that way. No, I'm just <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be a good idea. But she knew that when her kid, and she even had dental records proving that when her kid, and she kept trying, trying. Eventually, I mean, they didn't even do anything about it. They put her in a, in a mental hospital, yeah, because of that, <clears throat> saying that she was a crazy one. They say cops are bad these days. California, just in case you were wondering about your weird, what do you call it, a stereotype? Yeah. You've had people before you that's got you there. That's true. Anyway, getting back to this story, yeah, we could do a whole a whole segment on Christine Collins. During all this of uh, Gordon bringing young boys onto the farm and killing them, um, he would make Sanford, his nephew, uh, write letters home, but he had to tell him what tell him what to write. He didn't get to put his own words into it. He had to tell Sanford every word to write. Just so that it would look like he was, you know, in school doing what he was supposed to be doing, and all that. But Gordon had an older sister, Jessie, and would read those letters. And when she'd get these letters, she could tell that uh, Gordon wasn't in school. You know, his grammar hasn't improved, his spelling, uh, his way of wording things. You know, he hadn't, you know, hadn't gotten better. And she got really concerned about him. So she got to where she was uh, working and saving some money up, and she was going to go see her younger brother Sanford. And she made it to California right away. You know, she could tell by that time. You know, when Sanford went there with his uncle to California, he was thirteen. By this time, he was already fifteen when she got to see him again, and she could tell that he, you know, he wasn't where he was supposed to be as far as. Uh, education or anything like that showing that he'd been working and she got to ask him what you know what's going on here what's what's happening and and you know he, he didn't he wouldn't tell her anything you know he wouldn't he wouldn't say nothing and she stayed there about a week i think it wasn't in a week bill something like that yeah she stayed there a week toward the end of the week when he knew that she was getting ready to leave he confessed her everything that was going on he told her about you know the killing of the boys uh even one time where gordon came out doused sanford with a bucket of boiling water on his back burned him uh he was he was very abusive and jesse left you know she couldn't really do anything you know she goes to the cops there you know it might even have gotten her killed when jesse got back to Canada, you know, like we said, she'd contact the consul there and they went down to California. They could see this was a pretty rural area at the time and they could see people coming up the road, you know, there's dirt roads and everything. They could see the dirt flying up like Bonnie and Clyde or something trying to escape. But when they saw him, Gordon took off for the woods running. He told his nephew that if he said anything about him, he would shoot him from the tree line. 
and, and kill him. So he, he actually, Sanford kept the officers there for like two hours before he said anything about, you know, anything. And eventually after he knew he was safe, he told uh, the cops everything. But they took him into custody too. I believe I'd be like dancing around asking the questions. <laughs> my, my thing is, is <laughs> they couldn't get a good shot. Imagine what he's thinking, Sanford, when he sees the cops come. Because whenever the his uh, when Jesse left after he finally opened up to her and told her about what happened, it ain't like she goes, "Hey, I'll be back. I'll get some help. Don't worry, just stick it out." We gotta no, understand. She she just yeah. left. Like, she didn't say a thing. It's kind of like, oh, no. cool, well, I'll, I'll see you later, that type of thing. Um, because she didn't want to, she didn't want to let, I guess, make it look obvious. So, yeah. Because if she would have made it look obvious, then Gordon would have obviously killed her, probably, in Yeah, he probably would have, yeah. So, she, she she just bounced if she heard the information. She didn't, there was there was no grieving time or anything like that. She just heard it and just, just was out. So, whenever he sees the cops coming, I'm sure, I'm sure that was a pretty good feeling, but... Then to be told, hey, you better not say anything or I'll shoot you through the through the woods there. I mean. We got to look, too. When she left, probably took her two or three days to get home. Mm-hmm. And then she went to those people, and then they had to, well, I, get, I don't know, I guess they could have called, but I think they said they wrote a letter. Yeah. I mean, it took. So then that took probably another week. Well, yeah, either way, the so same yeah. for wasn't expecting it because, yeah. like she said, I'm coming back with help or I'm, I'm going to get help. I mean, she just left. So when they, when they got there, Gordon took off in the woods. He ran all the way to his parents' house, which they lived in Los Angeles. And him and his mother left, and they went to, to, back to Canada. And the mother knew about all this that was going on yeah. the whole time. Yeah, we're so. going to get into that about uh, Walter Collins, his death, a little bit more. But, yeah, she knew that Walter was like this. I mean, she even referred to it as his special interest. With um, with young boys, and I noticed they never talked about the dad though. He was pretty submissive. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, he's the one that got her to go. He's the one that they read the letter. Or they he showed it to the daughter, but he kind of got up. He kind of gave her his blessing to go though. I mean, I think he kind of stood up there at the end, but he he mm-hmm. should have stood up again. Yeah, he, he just but, don't give you kids away. Yeah, that Gordon's mama, she. She wore them the pants in the family, but I think his dad, you know, she told him which ones to wear. Well, her mama and her brother is two freaking psychopaths, too. So, you know, like I say, the douchebaggery runs in the family. Yeah, they all are. But we're going to get in. I got some more douchebaggery for you in a little bit on on this crowd. They're they're a pretty rough bunch. But they took took, uh, Gordon, I mean, not Gordon, they took Sanford into custody, and he told them everything that went on, and... They went back to the chicken farm with him, and they showed him where boys had been buried and burned and different things. How he got, how he helped get rid of the bodies. He just, you know, he knew that everything. Even Gordon had told him that he was accessory to all this. You know, he would he would go to jail too. You know, he was gu- just as guilty as he was. But they they found Gordon and his mother in Canada. Had them brought back to California. How long? How long were they? How long were they? Uh, had they escaped? It was like two months. Two months. Yeah, but the the total time on the the chicken farm was a little over two years, from nineteen twenty six to nineteen twenty eight. So they got them back to California. In total, uh, Gordon was held responsible 
for uh, the little uh, headless Mexican boy, Walter Collins, and two Winslow brothers that we failed to mention, but they were they were also kidnapped and sexually assaulted and murdered. They actually, uh, he made them, the Winslow boys, write a letter back to their family and told them they were okay. And then he murdered them and got rid of their body. But on the trial, Gordon refused counsel. He did, he was his own lawyer. He would get on the stand, everything I read, he would get on the stand and question himself and answer his own questions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I saw that look, Chris. Yeah, he was, he was a real. But did he pass the test? <laughs> Passed the bar. But um, he was found guilty of murdering four, and his mother was uh, found guilty of uh, murdering one, which was Walter Collins. And what happened with Walter was uh, when Gordon's mother came out to the farm one one evening. Uh, Walter was there asleep in the chicken coop, and she knew that they had to get rid of him. They made Sanford help kill Walter Collins. They all took turns hitting him with the the blunt end of an uh, of a hatchet or an axe. She took the first swing though, right? Yeah, she did. Yeah. And then uh, she made Sanford take a swing, and then Gordon took a swing, killed him. So yeah, but then Sanford the whole time just knew he was going to prison, he was going to jail, and he was part of it because they kept they kept brainwashing him too that you know yeah you're involved in this just as much as we are. After the trial and everything, Gordon was sentenced to hang, and I think at the time he was like one of the last hung in California. That was about 1930, I think, when all that took place. But I think the last hanging was the up in the mid 30s. So he was one of the last. He got hung. Yeah, they and, don't do nothing like that in California no more. Uh, they need to do more public hangings. But, uh, and then Sarah, Gordon's mother, was sentenced to life in prison. Sanford actually got out. He They sent him to a, a reform, I don't know if it was a reform school, but like a, a school for boys or... Like yeah, a, I think it was a <clears throat> the one I saw, where I read, it was like a... a place where they gave treatment i guess or counseling whatever. yeah to people that may go and i think later on it became a reform school yeah and i guess that's what it was but i guess we think of reform school as like a prison for kids when it's really if you look at the name it's to help them rehabilitate and reform to a better life and he he actually made good progress out there i think he stayed there for about a year a year and a half and done real well with it and was able to cope and get out but and things I read that he, you know, he still had uh, post-traumatic syndrome over this. You know, it was it was something. You know, he just couldn't get over it. it was, I guess worse than being in a war. But um, he married, and but he, him and his wife never did have any kids because he, what I read, he didn't want to pass on that bloodline at all. He didn't want you know them douchebags. He didn't want to continue that. So him and his wife adopted. They wanted to give a couple young boys who or, you know, in homes having a rough time to give them a chance at life, that a, a chance that he didn't have and raise them like they need to be. And from what I read, Sanford turned out to be a pretty upstanding guy in the community. He well uh, active in his church and different, commu- different community projects. So, Chris, you got anything to add to that? Um, I mean, I imagine going through all that, 
Hey, dude probably had nightmares a lot. I would just... I wonder if he told his wife. Later in life, you mean? Uh, yeah. Yeah, he did. We, we got to kind of figure that somebody goes through that kind of dramatic experience. If To be married to somebody like that, you've kind of got to be worried than being around kids. There is a book called... It was written about his life called The Road Out of Hell. And his son, Jerry... He didn't write the book, but he was the a contributor to that book. That was a son? Yeah, Jerry. Jerry Clark. Did he just have one? No, he had two. Oh, cool. So, I mean, if they went in business, they could have been Sanford and Son. Yeah, he had. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been waiting now. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but getting back to the douchebaggery and some details and some weird facts on this. It is rumored that uh, Gordon's father, you know, the one that was very submissive, had actually sexually assaulted Gordon's older sister. And Gordon was the product of that incest. That, that's highly rumored. His sister? Yeah. Huh. The, which was uh, Sanford's mother. <coughs> oh, her. Okay, yeah. I got you. I thought you meant Jesse. No. I think her name was Millie or something like that. Yeah, that was that was rumored there. So it's, it's the whole family is pretty. Yeah, uh, it, usually it don't happen out of just for the heck of it. There's usually something, mm-hmm. something familial, I guess you'd say. You know, this this seems like it happened a long, long time ago, but uh, ninety years. Yeah, but Sanford Clark, he passed away in nineteen ninety one. Yeah. So I mean, it really wasn't that long ago. You know, How was, old was he? He was born in 1913 and died in 1991, so you do the math. Uh, 78, I think. Is that right? 1931 or 1913? 1913. 78 years old. 78. He was 78, and he's buried in Woodlawn Cemetery in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. But you know what? That was even weird because he wasn't buried for like a week, I think. Who, Sanford? Yeah. I think that's what it said. Yeah, because it showed something about when he said he was he died such and such a date, but it was like a, the next month, like a week later, though, that he was buried. You know, it's Sanford, or are you talking about no. Gordon? I want to say it's Sanford. Because I didn't, I didn't remember it getting. Was that on the second what was one? Was her last name Northcott? No, he'd been different. Yeah, Sanford's last name was Clark. But wouldn't y'all think it'd be weird, though, for his wife? That's the reason why I don't think that his wife would have known, because to have been molested and stuff like that, you wouldn't think that to have a family would probably be in the best interest. Because you'd be afraid that... Because usually that's how it works. If you're molested as a kid, a lot of molested people... Not everybody. Not everybody. But some people that are molested as kids, more the male gen- the gender will grow up and um, do the same. It's, I mean, they just... Yeah, because it is rumored. I mean, I, I will agree with you on that point because it is rumored and I've read, too, that where Gordon was uh, sexually assaulted by, by his father. father. By his father, yeah. yeah. So that's what I'm saying. I mean... That's where he picked up those tendencies. He said he didn't want to have kids and, you know, keep that bloodline going, but I just, I'd still be afraid. I mean, just from what he had to go through. Obviously, it was, it was 
trickling down the line as far as everybody was doing it, you know, from his father on. So. Yeah, but I mean, he, yeah, I don't. I think you can have those tendencies, and then you can put it upon somebody, and that may make them have that may indoctrinate, let's say. But I, I mean, you know, I don't think it's a bloodline character because there's so there's so many. I, if that's the way you look at that, I would say it's the same way with like alcoholism. Well, yeah, you know, some fathers and then their sons and da da da, but then there's some that don't. So, it's, yeah, I mean, it's a conscious decision. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's right well, and wrong. I mean, yeah, I mean, saying all of them do. I, I just, I, I'm just saying if the, I just wondered if the wife would know. You know, I'm sure she did. Uh, I'm sure she did. Because I don't know if he was in the media. I don't know if he got a lot of attention or anything like that. He led an exemplary life. I mean, this this what case this was wide. Uh, it got a lot of publicity at the time. It was all across the United States. Yeah, and Gordon looked like a freak too, man. He did. He had that that look, just like. Yeah, he was at the time during the trial. I mean, he was in his young twenties, and and doing what he was doing. He got really brave there toward his end. I mean, you know, he got comfortable in his situation. You know, it's like I guess anybody doing anything. If you're robbing banks and you start out small, you keep doing stuff to getting braver. I wonder why he didn't kill Jesse when he came when she came to see him. I think what I read too, Jessica's pretty smart. I mean, she was uh, well ahead of her years too. She didn't. Um, she was older too. Yeah, it may have been. Look, look. A lot of times these people are not. Aged. I think she was still a teenager though, wasn't she? Nineteen right. or something. <clears throat> well, I don't think he was more than twenty-three or twenty-four. Who, Gordon? Yeah, yeah. He was in his young. My point being, if she was, all right, let's put it this way, she was the same bloodline. She's not going to grow much more from 17 to 25. You might hit a growth spurt. But what I'm saying is, if that was a small stature person, he could have feared her. He could take on a 10 or 13-year-old boy. He could do his way, have his way with them. But a woman the same size as him, she, he might not have the upper hand on her. That may be the thing. She put up a good fight. That's what I'm saying. So the, the chances for that going wrong... They're calculating. He could have had Sanford help him, though. That's why you don't see a 300-pound jock get abducted. Yeah, but I, I don't think he wanted to. I don't think he wanted to in the first place where he would have just had Sanford probably make it happen because, you, you know, Sanford probably helped him with the other victims. He wouldn't help him with his sister, though. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying he, if he really wanted to whack her, too, he probably would have had That's Sanford. my point, though. He, he didn't whack any of these people. He didn't. He yeah he killed the one guy but what I'm saying he he forced himself on people that was his what do you call it that was his mo he he would have had to have sub, subdued her what I'm saying is it was probably an even fight he can take a ten year old thirteen year old boy or and he didn't the only reason he took a thirteen year old boy they wouldn't let him have the eleven year old boy he wanted the eleven year old boy his his thing was young boys so he beat Gordon. All that time, he probably had the upper hand on him. What I'm trying to say is, if she is the same stature as him, it was probably an unwinnable fight. That's why he wouldn't try to kill her. He's not going to be able to convince her brother to help him kill her. He may have, he may, if he had got the drop on her and he had killed her, yeah, he would have made him dispose of the body. But what I'm saying is, he would not have helped him. That would have had to been a, a, 
a fight of his own. Of his own. And, and, you know, I don't think – that's what I'm saying is I think that's why she was never in danger because he couldn't beat – he couldn't win. But Sanford had uh, – Gordon had a lot on of my control with Sanford, obviously, though, as far yeah. as making him – he made him do – help him dispose of bodies. And yeah, he told him. Right, I mean, right. eventually stopped fighting with, the, you know, the sexual stuff. He I told mean, Gordon. They, oh, go ahead. Uh, well, they killed the one boy in his sleep. Right. So that's not trying to kill a, a – Walking around person is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, we could have killed her when she was asleep. She stayed there for a week. Yeah, I know, but There's what I'm saying is... chances there. Yeah, but... I'm saying if he wanted to. Obviously, yeah. I just wonder why he wouldn't have if... If... He kind of... There again, if it went wrong, he... Those people are calculating. People like that are still calculating. And they're looking at risk versus reward. They're looking at outcomes and all that stuff. Look, man, that's why people. That's why you know you see stuff. People stalking. They 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 go into. They don't stalk you and get your first night. It's probably the they've been watching you. That's like nobody. Well, in this day and time, but that's with any killer. They yeah, don't stalk. Yeah, they got to, You know. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to fight a girl. I mean, I wouldn't. They'd kick my butt. But that's my point. People like that. I mean. Yeah, are there huge big guys that probably molest people? Yeah, I'm sure they are. But, you know, what I'm saying is that's why they pick on younger people. They're cowards, and they know they can overwhelm them. And I think it's Gordon. He was a, a girly boy, too. He, yeah. wasn't, he wasn't no, you know. He's a, he's a concert pianist for college. Yeah, he wasn't. And I didn't even read, too. His mother used to dress him up in girls' clothes and stuff. Fair Lord. Not to, uh, Sissy boy. Easy. So, yeah, he wouldn't, want to, he wouldn't want to fight somebody the same stature as him. I mean, he... Said he told his son, Sanford told his son on the way to a hockey match when he was 17 years old because they were working, there were some reporters working a case near them about something else, and he was afraid. He said he never planned to tell Jerry the story. Said Anthony Flacco was writing a book about Clark and was at the Whittier Museum last week doing research. But he said Clark was worried reporters working on an unrelated killing near their town would unearth his past, his concern that his children would hear about it from others. His fear didn't materialize. I bet I doubt his wife knew too. There ain't no way. Well, I'm sure she did, but I mean, well, that's what I'm saying, though. He didn't want his kids to know. I mean, you know. What do you want your kids to know? Well, if I ask them about their grandparents. Nah. I don't know. Look here, man. It is. Kids, people only know what you're going to tell them. And you don't have to tell them the truth. No, no, you don't. It, it you got to look this way. What's it going to in what now? If it's something that's going to change their life, or, or yeah, you may want to tell them. But if there's something your grandparents or something somebody did or something like that, and it has it is going to have zero relation, zero effect on them. No, you don't tell them. Did you ever say what happened to the dad after the mom? I never did hear anything on what happened to the Gordon's dad. So I'm saying, like kids, they they grow up, and as they grow up, they they know their family. They know they have grandparents. They know they have uncles. They have they know they have cousins, aunts, all that stuff. So I'm saying, the only reason why I would want to tell them is if they would ask about the grandparents. If it, I mean, I guess you can lie, but you don't ever want to have to lie to your kids. I mean, we do about, you know, Christmas and Easter and all that stuff. Spoiler alert. But, I mean, you, you wouldn't want to have to, but I guess at that point, 
Would you? You don't lie. You just don't tell them. I'm saying if they ask about their grandparents. If they so say, here's here's mom's grandparents. So I didn't or know mom, mom's parents. I know them. Where, where's your where's your parents at, dad? So I don't know. They were gone. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. I just wonder. Says he, he served in World War Two. Gordon did. I mean, uh, Sanford. Yeah, married and worked 28 years for the Canadian Postal Service. They adopted and raised two sons. That's what I said. They didn't no, have kids of their no. own. He didn't want to pass on They were married line. for 55 years. Damn. I was doing research while you were doing national footage. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, good yeah. for him. And kudos well, but, to the sister and, and, for making well, that, things happen. Well, it, it give me information on Jesse. What happened with her? Nothing. I mean, uh, she... He credited June Clark's Clark's sister, Jesse, as Associate Prosecution Counsel, Loyal C. Kelly, and the Whittier State School for Helping Save Sanford Clark. Oh, okay. I'm, my bad. Yeah, I mean, the, kudos to the sister making stuff happen. Yeah, and I think, you know, all your fears about what all, what all was going on about, about bloodline and blah, blah, blah. Um, I think this is a testament to where you can pull, you can pull through that. I mean, yeah, you... I, I think in this day and time, don't get me wrong, I understand people have problems, and, and some of them are insurmountable. You can't get through them. There's a lot to be said for previous generations just taking it, and then, oh, you, well, you don't want to bottle it up, you want to let it out. No, oh, man, you just deal with it. I think it's good to let it out and good all that, but in the end, in the end, you got to deal with it. It's nobody, I mean, yeah, it's somebody else's fault, but it is now. <clears throat> my, my dad's a minister, and he always said, when you do something, you conscious your your parents didn't make you do that. They may have showed you the way something goes, and you can train a kid right, and they're gonna do wrong. You can keep train a kid wrong, and they're gonna do right. I know instances of both. My point being is, at the end of the day, it's your responsibility to deal with things. Mm-hmm. And some people don't deal with them right. Some people deal with them right. <clears throat> but you know, just like alcoholism. It's like overeating. I mean, I'm a big guy. It is nobody's fault that I buy what I buy and put it in my body. It's my fault, my responsibility. I'm not blaming anybody else because I can stop. It may be, it's very hard to stop. Trust me, in 52 years, I ain't stopped yet. But it's still, I'm not going to blame anybody else. I'm not blaming McDonald's. I'm not blaming anybody else. I don't want no laws set for it. It's me. In the end, we're all responsible for our own actions. I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it has to be account- accountability, self-accountability. Uh, I mean, I guess uh, traits, um, some some traits I, I think would kind of be learned and I guess um, duplicated. Um, and Like I said, not every instance. And I mean, hey, I think just because you have a crappy childhood don't mean you can't grow up and be the most successful person, you know, yeah, it's God's green earth. I mean, it can happen. Yeah. I, I believe we can, everybody can turn their life around. My point is today, I think we're given a lot of excuses and reasons not to. I know. Yeah. I mean, we, we accept we want to sit there and, and roll in our failures and roll in, into pity. Like, oh, feel sorry for me. I ain't, you know, I ain't going to be able to do this. I ain't going to be able to do that. I, do, I believe people should pick themselves up off the floor. But, you know, a lot of people just want to be picked up from other people. And I mean, I get that. I get what you're saying there. All right, y'all got anything else to add to this? 
I don't think I'm good. All I can say is, like Bill said, I mean, this is a story of overcoming yeah. and and making good of what you had. I've looked at it before we started, and then now looking at looking at it a totally different way. Yeah, I agree. I was all ready to smash that family and everything, but then at the end, you got to look. This guy really did something for himself. Yeah, I agree. Chris, you got any last words? No, not really. Uh, I was just trying to think of something. I can't really think of anything right now. All right, guys, getting back to our our yeah, saved again our yeah. podcast. You looked out there, we're, everybody. We're doing really good, you know, as far as getting downloads. Um, we we want people to give us a review. You know, if you're listening to us, give us a review, give us a like, give us a thumbs up. Tell us what we're doing wrong. Tell us what you like. Um, we want to hear from you. Email us at crackhousechronicles at gmail dot com. You can look at us on our Instagram. Yep. Bill's taking care of that for us. You can go to our Facebook page. We're posting all these on YouTube or any uh, podcast platform you listen to. Check us out. Say hey, y'all. Yeah, we we're from the South. We, we like to hear people say hey. And I don't think anybody's actually really responded. Uh, we've got a few reviews on uh, Apple iTunes. Uh-huh. And we've got a few on there. And but we want to hear from you. We yeah. want to. We want to hear people across the pond. We're, we're getting a lot of we're getting a lot of hits and likes and comments and stuff on uh, Instagram. But go to that Facebook, man. Last time I checked, it was free. Just say, hey, y'all suck <laughs> or anything. Hey, we like it. Hey, y'all, yeah. Y'all. We, we know you're out there. We know yeah. you crackheads are out there. Just come on, say something. Just give some life to our uh, Facebook page. I mean, we. We share a post on our personal pages, and that's great. You want to comment on that, but go to our Facebook page and uh, just tell us something, anything. Give us a comment. Tell us what you want to hear. We, we are open to suggestions because, I mean, you'll have to listen to this, so we will love to talk about what you want to hear. I mean, <laughs> come on, guys, anything. Uh, and we appreciate you listening, so if you don't comment, we still love you. We do appreciate our listeners, that's for sure. All right, guys, with that being said, we're out of here. This is The The Crack House Chronicles. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.